All right, this morning I want you to turn in your Bible to John chapter 10. And I'm going to try to answer one of the most frequently asked questions I get as a pastor. And I get this question from all age groups, not only from young men and women, but I get this, I get this question from men in their 50s, 60s, and 70s who still are trying to figure out how to hear the voice of God, how to be led by the voice of God, how to be led by the Spirit of God. And there may be some of you sitting here today that you may have come from a theological tradition that taught you that God stopped speaking at the completion of Scripture. In other words, when Scripture was written, that God stopped speaking. Well, if, if, first of all, it's bad theology. Let me just be, I'm a straight-ahead shooter. Let me just tell you, that's false theology. The earth was created when God said, let there be light with very few words, but it was with a spoken word that God caused the earth to come into existence, the animals to come. He created the universe with a pneuma, the breath. His, he, when, he, he, when he put the pile of dirt, he breathed on the pile of dirt. He spoke, breath came forth, and man was created. God started the world with a spoken word, and God is continually articulating. God is always talking. He's continuously articulate. I want you to write that down because that's the phrase I want you to catch today. God is continuously articulate. God wants us to recognize his voice. God wants to have conversations with each of us. God wants to invade our world. He, in fact, Jesus, when he would stand and teach crowds, small crowds like this or bigger crowds, Jesus would say this. He would say, for those who have ears to hear, let him hear. Those who have eyes to see, let him see. And what he was saying was, he was not saying that they had a physical problem of hearing. What he was saying was, I want you to, to train yourself to have spiritual ears to hear spiritual words. So even this morning, listen, even this is the beauty of the gospel, and this is the magnificent thing about the Holy Spirit. In this room this morning, all of you are uniquely wired. Some of your personalities may be similar, but I doubt very, I doubt seriously that, uh, that there's any replicates in here. Everybody is unique in this room. We have a unique background. Our story is different. Our, where we came from, in fact, very few of you are, are from Colorado Springs. I, I did this in the Sunday morning gathering one time. It's like 95% of us are from somewhere else. But we got here as quick as we could, right? All right. But because of that, we ha I'm from the deep south. Some of you have no idea what that means. So I, you're, some of you are from upstate New York. I have no idea what that means. You know, it's a different world, different backgrounds, different experiences. And besides all that, we're, we have unique DNA strands running through all of our bodies. Our cell fiber, tissue, while it may look similar, we're very different. And so God knows that. And so there's not a one way that God speaks to anybody. God speaks to all of us through our unique set of personality traits, our characteristics, our character, our background. God, here, here's the bottom line. God knows how to talk to you. The problem is, we oftentimes don't know how to hear him. The problem with God speaking is not him speaking. God knows how to look you in the face. Now I have a little boy, Abram, who's 12, and I have a little girl named Callie who's 10, and they're different. Anybody, any of you, are, all you dads in the room know that if you have more than one child, oftentimes they are very different in the way they're wired, in the way you communicate with them, the way you talk to them. There's a certain way that I, I can get Abram's attention, and I can talk to him, and I can make sense to him. And there's certain ways when I sit down with Callie, I can talk to her. I know her lo love language. I know what, what's important to her. I know how to get to her heart. I know how to talk to Pam. 
know how to get into her heart. I know how to pull the best out of her. But all three of these people in my life who I spend most of my time with, they're unique. Now, if I can learn how to uniquely speak to Pam and Abram and Callie, do you think the infinite, all-loving, best dad ever God knows how to sit down with each of us and say, listen, son, listen to my voice. He knows how to penetrate to the depths of our heart. The Holy Spirit knows how to penetrate to the deep places of our heart and to pull the best out of us. The problem is we have to govern and we have to sensitize our ears to hear the continuously articulate God. Let me give you a good book to read. It's an old book. It's a good book. It's called The Pursuit of God. Some of you have read that. It's in our bookstore. And 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 there's a chapter on the voice of God, hearing the voice of God, conditioning ourselves to hear the voice of God. If you are on a mission like I am to pursue God, you cannot pursue God if you're not passionate about hearing God. Let's read the scripture in John chapter 10, John 10 verse 3. And, And Jesus really wanted his disciples to get this. He knew how important it was going to be because in John 10, you know, John is primarily focuses on the last three years of Jesus's life. And it's the only gospel that really focuses on that third and final year as much. But John especially was kept, caught the heart of Jesus as he was preparing his disciples for his departure from the earth. John 10, verse 3 says, The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. This is an amazing thing, all right? He's not talking about a small group of sheep. He's talking about a large herd of sheep. He's talking about lots of sheep. And he calls them by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Notice that God is not herding the sheep. God is leading the sheep. Notice it's very important to catch what he just said. He says, Jesus is walking, and the sheep follow him. He's not in this room going, come on, guys, come on, guys, come on, get it, come on, come on, come on. That's not how God leads. God says, I'm going over here. Do you wish to cooperate with me? Do you want to go to the green pastures with me? Follow me. And then Jesus begins to move. This is why in churches we need to be sensitive What is God doing? Where is God leading us? Because it may be different from year to year. From month to month even, God may say, hey, I'm over here doing this. I need a few hundred men to cooperate with me. Come follow me. The call to God is not to be herded by him, controlled by God. The call of Christ to us this morning is for us to listen to him and to follow him. Notice notice that Jesus is not mincing words here. He says his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. Now, verse 27, skip down to verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. It's an active verb, a present tense verb. It's not a one-time thing. And I think probably if I were to poll all of you in the room this morning, I'd say, have you ever really heard the whisper of God? Have you ever felt God nudge you towards something? Have you ever felt God even just speak to you really loud in your mind? And maybe some of you have heard the audible voice of God, but I suspect all of you, most of you, have had a time where you can say, I know that God was trying to communicate to me. Say something to me. Lead me to something. My sheep listen. Active, present tense, always, continuously articulate. That I know them and they follow me. I know them and they follow me. I know them and they follow me. No, that's amazing. Isn't it? God knows us, and we follow him. I'm up for that. Are you, aren't you up for that? All right, are you, allowed, are you okay with God knowing you? 
Can I tell you why a lot of times God, guys don't hear God's voice? Because we live these guarded, closed lives. We're like Adam and Eve after the fall, putting the fig leaves on us. When we walk naked with God for years and suddenly we sin, we've got to cover up out of our shame. Cover up and hide from Him. Hide from Him. And you see, God shows up in the garden. This is not, this is not new to our, our generation. So they sin, and they've been walking with God in the cool of the morning. God in, shows back up in the garden, and what do they say? God, and read this. It's one, one of the saddest lines in, the, in Scripture, in my opinion. God shows back up in the garden and goes, Adam, Eve, where are you? Now, he knew where they were. What he was saying is, why are you running? Don't hide from me. They'd had these conversations with God until they sinned, right? And what shut down the conversation? Sin. All right, let's get real raw. How many of you have sinned? <laughs> Good. I'm just glad I'm in the right room. How many of you have fallen short of God or not done something even this week? And that's pretty, that's pretty normal. You've got a church full of sinners. All right, and, 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 a, and a church full of grace, by the way. We don't, we're not here to tolerate sin. We're here to confront it, for sure. But we would confront it with grace. And that's what opens up our eyes and our minds and our heart to hearing the voice of God again is because we live under this umbrella of sonship and grace. We're not cut off from God to hear His voice. Even when we fall short, God says, listen, I'm still in your mess. Invite me into the living. We talked about this last Sunday Beautiful repentance. Repentance opens the door. He says, I stand at your door and I knock and I want to come in. I want to eat with you. Notice the language in Revelation 3. I want to walk into your life and I want to sit with you. I want to eat with you. Sounds like a conversation once is about to break out. Right? Sitting and eating with someone requires interaction and conversation. You know, this week Pam called me. She calls me every day normally. And I, I, when I pick up the phone, now Pam and I have been married almost 22 years, but we dated three and a half years before we got married. So she's been my best friend, girlfriend for going on 26 years. So when she called me this week, when I picked up the phone and she talked, she said, hey, hey, Brady, I don't say, who is this? That's a good way to get in the doghouse. <laughs> who, who are you? What, who is this? It's me, Pam. Oh, I didn't recognize your voice. I mean, I know who, I know that voice. That little southern Louisiana voice. I know it. Sweet, sweet, like honey to my ears when I hear it. Why, why am I so familiar with her voice? She's my friend. She's not just my wife, she's my friend. And I've, we have conversations all the time. So people ask me all the time, Brady, how is it that you hear God's voice? I said, because I'm his friend. He's my friend. We talk a lot. I want, I'm gonna, if you, I want you to write this down, what I'm about to say, okay? This is, what I'm about to tell you is, is something that when I caught this, changed my life. It changed, it changed everything, the way I worship. And we just had, we're, everything's worship, by the way. I'm not, not just songs and stuff on the screen. Our whole lives are worship. But it changes the way you engage God based on what I'm about to tell you is pretty important, I think, to remember. Here's what, I'm, here's what I want you to remember and think about, talk about, and maybe pray about. Friends tell friends their secrets. 
So how do you how do you press in and hear these profound things of God? How do you know God's voice? Well, I, first of all, I am committed to, to being a friend of God. God has already made it easy for me to be his friend because he sent Christ. And I accepted Christ, which opened the door for us not to be enemies any longer. I'm a son now. I'm friend, more than just son. I'm a friend of God. God's my friend. I'm his friend. And so now this conversation happens between friends. You know, Pastor Garvin and I have been friends for going on 18 years now. And you, listen, it takes a long time to become old friends, right? I'm becoming friends with a lot of you now sitting out in the crowd because I've been here three and a half years. But, and I know 10 years from now, 20 years from now, the depth of relationship sitting in this room will be even better because it takes a long time to become old friends. That's why you nourish and cherish those old friendships because what you have there is equity with one another. You have a sense of trust with one another. There are things that I could tell Garvin right now that I couldn't tell some of you because I don't have the friendship level, I don't have the trust level with you that I have with him. And the reason I have it with him is because we've been friends a long time. The reason I can talk to God and the reason God can talk to me is I've been really close to him, trying to be closer to him for 22 years. That's how long I've been born again, 22 years. And so for 22 years, God and I have developed this rhythm of conversation. I talk to him, he talks to me, I listen for him, he listens to me, I know that. Which allows us then to have these conversations. All right, let, let, let's skip down. That was John 10. Go to John 16 real quick. Let me show you this passage, and I'm going to go through the rest of it pretty quickly, but I want you to really hear what Jesus said about this. All right, John 16, verse 12. Four times in these scriptures that I'm about to tell you, four times Jesus is going to refer to the Holy Spirit speaking to people on the earth. So I'm, I'm saying some of these things up front because I want to help you understand God still speaks. Now, for a lot of you in this room, you go, well, all right, Brady, we know that. But you'd be, you'd be shocked. You'd be shocked. If I were to take a poll in this room, how many of you, and let's just do it. I mean, I don't even, if you don't want to raise your hand I, because you're embarrassed, fine. But how many of you grew up in a uh, Christian tradition, maybe even a pagan tradition, that taught you that God really doesn't speak to people except when you read the Bible? How many of you grew up in that? It's a lot of, see, that's a lot of guys. All right, verse 12 says, I have much more to say to you. Now, this is interesting what Jesus says. I don't think these guys were going anywhere. They didn't have a schedule. But Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now hear. Well, I'm sure one of them probably, hey, God, we're not going anywhere. We don't mind hanging out with you. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, all right, underline this, if you've got your Bible there, he will guide you. Okay, that's the first thing he's going to guide you. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And listen to this. And then he will tell you what is yet to come. Guide you into all truth. Tell you what's to come. How many of you would love to be led into all truth right now? Because it's very confusing out there. It's hard to determine what truth is and what truth is not. But as spirit-led men, he will guide us into all truth. And then he says he'll tell you what is to come. I don't know if you're a businessman, investor, dad, father, husband, but I'd like to have a clue about what's next. And let's keep reading. Verse 14, he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. He said, there's this place of revelation I want you to walk in. There's just a sudden awareness of things that God's doing. He'll make it known to you. The third thing, okay? He'll guide you. He'll tell you what's to come. He'll make it known to you. Verse 15, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Again, he says it again. 
So I think there's three ways that God speaks to us. And if we're going to be spirit-led men and walk in this place of maturity, we have to engage and embrace all three things. And some of them are going to be obvious, but I think I have some new revelation, new understanding for some of you today on some of these things. So don't immediately dismiss it when I say it, because I believe that God wants to erase us back, even for those of us who have been born again a long time. Let's, let's, let's make sure that we have not drifted away from the basics of our faith too much. The reason Vince Lombardi was such a brilliant coach is he really only had about five plays, but they ran them to perfection. Sweep right, sweep left, up the middle, and there was a pass play about once every four games. But really, Lombardi, and I just, there's a documentary on him right now. You know, he started out as like a junior high coach, and through a series of, of breaks, fate, or whatever you want to call it, he ended up the Green Bay Packers coach. And um, so here he is. He, he found something in as a junior high coach, though, that he helped the Packers win a couple of championships because of what he discovered in junior high. And that is if the teams that block the best and tackle the best often win. Right? Blocking and tackling. You block and tackle, an average team can beat above average teams because they block and tackle better. So what I'm, this is blocking and tackling 101 this morning, but I believe even as for someone like myself who's been born again over 20 years, I need to be constantly reminded and go through the drill of blocking and tackling. It doesn't get much more complicated. In fact, I'll say this uh, without qualification. If I were going to personally disciple you as a man, in other words, if you and I were going to meet on a regular basis and I was going to help you grow into a mature Christ follower, the first thing I would do is teach you how to hear God's voice and not my own. In fact, I'd, as soon as I could, I would make sure that you are in a place where you're hearing God, receiving the revelation of the Holy Spirit, and not depending on me to tell you everything about God. I'd first want to train you, coach you, help you understand that you can hear the voice of God. And then when you start hearing the voice of God, literally, you, I am not nearly as needed in your life once I can teach you this. So here's, here's the first thing. He speaks to us through Scripture. Well, we know that, but we don't read Scripture. When we do read Scripture, we read it out of duty or rote. In fact, I'll tell you this, okay, I don't mind you doing this, but one of, the, one, of the, one of the things about reading the Bible through in a year is it becomes more about the schedule than the revelation. I'm going to confess something to you, all right? I did the one-year Bible reading plan. It took me two and a half years. Now, spiritual pride should say, I'm your pastor, and I read the Bible every 90 days or every 100 days. Well, that's fine. Just consuming mass quantities of Scripture won't hurt you. I promise. Try it on. It won't hurt you. But I think there's, there has to be time to absorb. This is not just ink and paper and leather that we have in front of us. This is the continuously articulate God speaking to us as we read and it's the Holy Spirit's ability to illuminate those scriptures to you. There are times, especially, I'm reading through Proverbs again. I'll, I try to read through Proverbs every January, especially, just to kind of refresh myself on just making sure that I've, I'm a man of wisdom. But w- notice how many times in Proverbs, Solomon says, Wisdom is a voice crying out. Wisdom is a voice crying out on the street corner for anyone who will hear her. Wisdom is a voice crying out hoping someone will hear her. 
That's not just one time in Proverbs. Multiple times in Proverbs, it says that wisdom is a voice crying out. Read it for yourself. And notice how often Solomon says, listen, I'm going to write down some things that I've heard God say, but it is not just ink. It's not just paper. It's not just a leather-bound book with your name inscribed on the front. These are this, this is the continuously articulate God speaking, breathing, shouting aloud in the marketplace, hoping someone will pay attention. Psalm 119, 105. And I pray this over people all the time. It, when people say, hey, Brady, I'm about to make a decision, or Brady, I'm about to go do something. Brady, I need wisdom from God. Oftentimes when I lay my hands on or pray for them or when I'm praying for them privately, when they're not in front of me, I say, Lord, your word is a lamp. Lord, let your word be a lamp for their feet and a light for their path. Lamp and light. Notice, notice again, Jesus said, I am the sheep. You're the sheep. Follow me. And then he says, my word is a light for a what? Lamp for my feet, a light for my path, illuminating us so we can follow Jesus, this path comes light to us, scriptures that bring the path alive to us, so we can follow and walk and not stumble. Have you ever been reading through familiar passages of scripture and suddenly something was a, just jumps off the page at you? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. We have to, this is why I tell you all the time, and I'm going to keep telling you this, don't read the Bible and it, one of the problems with reading the Bible over and over again is you know how every story ends. Condition yourself that when you open the Scriptures up, hopefully on a daily or regular basis, you say, whisper this to God, Lord, I want to read this today like it's the first time I've ever read this story. I don't want to forget the truths that I've learned in the past, but Lord, help me, Lord, to see this fresh and new today. And the older we get, the more often we read the stories, the more fervently we have to pray that prayer. Lord, let me read these Scriptures today as if it were the first time I've heard it. Let it illuminate, let it come off the page. And that's why I get caught, that's why I don't finish reading the Bible in a year. I don't ever finish it, I run out of time because I, I ask God, show me this. When he shows it to me, I pause and I look and I pray and I think about it. And I look up, my time's over and I, and I, I can't put the little check in the box. But it's okay, I think God's fine for us not rushing through something that's so sacred. It's a sacred text that we have. Sacred text. The continuously articulate God speaking to us, men who have ears to hear. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active. It has not been reduced down to a language, to ink or paper. It is living and active. The word active means it is pow, pow, pounding against our hearts. Listen to what he says. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Can I tell you something? If you're being judgmental, or if you have a rotten attitude, you cannot, you will not read the Bible and keep that. It'll mess with you. It'll mess your heart, especially if you say, God, judge the attitudes and the thoughts of my heart. My goodness, when you read the Bible, like a battering ram against the hardness of our heart, pow, pow, pow. And by the way, thoughts and attitudes are exactly what I want judged in my life. Because every, every sin, every big deception, every, every pastor who's ever fallen, every leader who's ever fallen, all, every man who's ever cheated on his wife, it all started with a thought that we believed. It all started with a lie that some other woman would make me happy or some other thing would fulfill me when 
So if our thoughts and our attitudes are constantly being judged by Scripture, the chances of, of, of us believing these lies are slim to none then, right? Here's the second way. He speaks to us through counsel. And Proverbs is full of this. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Have you ever, you ever this is the most frustrating thing as a pastor. When I know they're headed over the, over the they are headed over the guardrail. And when I talk to them, their bus is headed over, I mean, it's, it is imminent. And they look at me, and they, I, I can't help them. I'd love to help them. But they are absolutely convinced that what they're doing is just fine. And I'll say, well, listen, I'll be down there at the bottom because I know exactly where it's going to land. I've been at that crash site many times. I'll help get you out of the bus. I'll be right here for you. (laughs) The way of a fool seems right in his eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. I was sitting with this young guy one time, not long ago. We were in a village inn, so you know it was a bad day. So, sorry if you own a village inn. May God bless you and keep you. And may your food get better. But, uh, all right, so we're sitting, I'm sitting across from him, and the whole time he's texting some girlfriend or something. I went, look, dude, I, I got, my time is pretty valuable. Uh, so if, it's either me or that stupid phone. So give me the phone. If we're going to talk, give me the phone. So he hands the phone to me. That was a big breakthrough. Then, um... This guy's 20 years old, about 6'3", big tough guy, athletic guy. He doesn't go to New Life, so you don't know him. He's a big tough guy, pretty confident. But the bus is, I mean, the bus is like, the, the pedal on the bus is all the way down, and he's headed right over the cliff, and I can see it coming. I look at him, and I said, um, we'll call him Joe, okay? That's a good common name. I said, Joe, do you have anybody in your life that can tell you no and you won't do it? He looked at me like, are you a space alien? He looked at me like, what? He said, Joe, do you have anybody in your life that if they told you no and it was not a violation of the law or a violation of Scripture, you wouldn't do it just because they have that kind of authority in your life? He looked straight at me and went, nope. And he said, nope, in the way of, and I'm not going to have anybody. Now, I know Joe, and I know his history, the reason he said no is because all the adults in his life had disappointed him. I knew it. I know that. Leaders in his life had disappointed him. Adults had disappointed him. And so he had made up his mind, I'm just going to figure this out on my own. And a lot of you have come out of disappointing relationships with dads or coaches or bosses or whatever it is. And you've had people that were, were in authority in your life that have disappointed you. And the, one, of the, one of the most dangerous inner vows to make as a man is, I will never listen to another person. I'll figure this out on my own. The bus is headed straight over the cliff. I promise you it will happen. And so God, God does work through delegated authority. Don't let anybody ever tell you differently because that's not even biblical. God always works through delegated authority. And, one of the, and another thing is people come to me and say, Brady, they tell me something they're going to do, and I say, uh, well... Um, I don't know, you know, are you coming to me for advice or counsel? You know, advice is different than counsel in my book, the way I define them. They may not be different in your book, but I say, if you want advice, I'll probably meet with you one time because you're not, you're going to do whatever you want in the end anyway. If you want counsel, if you need counsel, maybe you don't need counsel for every decision, but there are some decisions that men need counsel for. 
Or the Bible wouldn't talk so much about it, right? Counsel means that you're open that your, your idea may not be right and that the counsel you're going to receive could alter the course of your decision. Are you open to the idea that the path that you're on, that you're on right now, are you open to it being diverted if it's not God's perfect will? Are you open to any kind of changes in the plan that you think you've got figured out? And, and the reason is because God, God wants to speak through other people. You know why God wants to use delegated authority? Let me just make it very simple for you. God wants us to be and live life together. He wants us to be messy with one another. He is requiring us to live together. He, we're, not in, we're not independent monarchies in this room. We are knit together by God as a family in this room. We are a band of brothers. I saw that sign back. We are a band of brothers in God's eyes. We're not independent monarchies. And by the way, I'm not trying to control your life. I don't have time to control your life. I'm trying to control my own. I'm just saying from time to time, won't you run up to somebody, or, you know, take somebody to the coffee or lunch and say, hey, I'm about to make this decision. What do you think about that? You don't have to do anything they say, but just ask the question. And you might be surprised that from time to time, God might use a person to keep you from running off a ditch. All of us can look back in our rearview mirror and, and see places where we wish somebody had told us something different, right? Only a prideful man would say, no, I got it all figured out. I'm aware of my brokenness, by the way, and I'm aware of my ability to be deceived. I'm painfully aware of it, and the reason I say painfully is because it's cost me a lot in the past. And because I've been deceived and been hurt, it actually, that actually causes me to draw closer to people who can give me counsel and not withdraw from them. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans go awry, but the, in the multitude of counselors, they are established. 1920, listen to counsel. Receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. It, don't pull out the God stick. I call this the God stick with people. You know, they come to me and say, well, Brady, I've got to do it. I heard God. Well, I, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to argue with God. Don't say it like that. Come to, come to somebody and say to them, say, I really feel like I've heard the Lord, but I'd love to hear your counsel on this. That's okay, isn't it? That doesn't make you seem immature or weak. It makes you seem wise to me, humble even. Humility precedes honor. Why does humility precede honor? Well, it says in Proverbs, humility is preceded by honor. Why is it that, how, how is it that you see these men who seem to always find honor, they always seem to end up in the right spot? I can promise you, probably is because they've had a broken heart they're humble men who know how to ask for a counsel. And you may not know who they're asking, and they may not make it known to you who they're asking, but I can promise you, you find an honorable man who's ending his life well, who always seems to end up in the right spot. Almost always that man is a man who has learned to go to people and say, I think I've heard God. In fact, I know how to hear God's voice, but I'm going to run this by you. Could you just give me your thoughts on it? Could you tell me what you think about this? That is a man who typically ends up in an honorable spot. Because humility precedes honor. I want to be an honorable man. I, I have no ambition to be famous or well-known, but I do have a huge ambition to be honorable at the end of my life. I do. I, I, don't want, to, I want to be honorable. I want to be a reflection of God. I want to be a reflection of God to my family. I want to be honorable. I want to be a man that you can trust. I want to be a trustworthy man. I do have those ambitions. There are godly ambitions, and there are ungodly ambitions. 
I, I want to be a man that, that other men say, that's an honorable guy right there. This is a guy that can listen to somebody else. Somebody who can hear God through the delegated counsel that God's put around them. I can say, I say this honestly, I think I have about 15 people in my life, if they told me no, and it was not something that was breaking the law, breaking scripture, I would pause, at least pause. And I would give it a long pause before I would move ahead. The, the eight men I serve with as elders here at New Life, any of those men have that right to say something to me, and I would immediately pause. Immediately. And what that does is that sets me up now to be honorable and not be deceived. And I'm asking each everybody in this room to at some point in this year, let 2011 be the year. And I pray this, and if you're open to this, God will send you a counselor if you're willing to be counseled. There's not a shortage of counselors, as you may think. And I've had men say, well, Brady, you're, you're just blessed. You've got a lot of guys in your life. And let me tell you something. I opened up my heart to receive them, and God sent me a bunch of them. And the reason God sent me that many is because I'm, I'm, that, I'm not that smart. I need that many. <laughs> it's not because I'm blessed. It's because it's, it's actually for the, the contrary reason that God sent me 15 counselors. <laughs> I think if I was smarter and a little wiser, he would have sent me one or two. I need 15 you may not need 15, but I do. I need a lot of them. And the reason I got those guys, the reason guys like Tom Lane and Jimmy Evans and Robert Morris and Jack Hayford and the Garvin McCarrolls, and I can list a whole bunch of guys you've never heard of that are all men and women who can speak Pam Boyd, number one on that list, by the way. If you're not listening to your wife, you are a foolish man, by the way. The voice of God sounds like Pam's voice a lot. <laughs> a lot. Brady? That's God's voice to me right there. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> All right, here's the third thing. This is big right here, okay? This is the last thing, and I know I'm going past time today, but I appreciate the patience. He speaks to us through his peace. Now, this is, this is, this is bigger than what I, that, that sounds. Uh, people have confused peace with happiness. I'm talking about happiness. I'm not talking about all your circumstances being lined up properly. That's happiness. Happiness is defined when all your circumstances are lined up in, a, in an orderly way so that life is easy. That's happiness. Joy is something that cannot be shaken regardless of circumstances. Joy is not circumstantial. Peace is not circumstantial. And this is a miracle of being a Christ follower. Later this afternoon at 2 o'clock, I'm doing a funeral for one of the new, a new lifer, Jim Gable. Some of you know Jim Gable is a dentist here in town, passed away. Uh, a while earlier. And I, I, the last time I went to see him, in fact, the last two times I saw him, the first time of, the, of those two was in the hospital. I walk into the hospital room, and I go into hospital rooms all the time. I like being a pastor. And when I went into this hospital room, there was this, this, this something in that room. Now, he had just been diagnosed with advanced stage 4 colon and liver cancer, which is a death sentence without God's healing. And, and it, that's bad news. That's a bad day no matter who you are and what how old you are. That's a bad day to get told that. And he had just been told this. And I walk into his room, and there's this joy on his face. Now, he's, he was in pain, he was, and he was under sedation because of the pain, so he was not completely coherent necessarily. But when I looked in, I just looked into his eyes like this, and said, can I pray for you? There was this joy, this peace that was there. And that's when I took a deep breath. This guy is going to be fine. And he is fine. Heaven is no consolation prize, by the way. This peace is a sense of tranquility and well-being, a feeling that all is well. 
It's knowing, it's knowing that God's in control. It's, it's, it's actually, joy comes when you relinquish control. And you live like a son, a sheep in the pasture. I say this all the time over my kids. You are the sheep of his pasture. He is the shepherd of your soul. And I talk to them about it. I don't just say that to them in that voice. You know, <laughs> I talk to them about it. You are. You know, I don't do that to my kids. You're the, you're the sheep of his pasture. He is the shepherd of your soul. What I'm trying to help my kids catch is that God's leading them. God's hand is upon them. That they can surrender to God. That God is trustworthy of their surrender. God is... You can surrender to this God that Dad's telling you about and live in the joy and the comfort of a, a sheep. So I'm going to read the scripture to you, Philippians 4, and this is what I, if I were discipling you, and I hope this has been a disciple-forming time for all of us. But I'd take you to Philippians 4, and I'd read, read this to you. Verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This is a, so men of prayer become men who hear God. This is, remember the conversation. Prayer is simply a conversation, right? Prayer is not a religious ritual. It's not a formulaic approach to God. It's not that at all. Prayer is simply coming to God and saying, Father in heaven, I am your son, the sheep of your pasture. You're the shepherd of my soul. Can we have a conversation? There are things that are, that are weighing heavily on me this morning. And I give this to you, God. Prayer, petition, and Lord, I'm thankful. Listen, men who are grateful typically hear God's voice better than men who are not. I'm so grateful. How thankful are you? Grateful, gratitude. And then in verse 7, here's the, here's the key. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. See, if I were to explain, if, if this were just a group of, if none of you were Christ followers, and I told that story of Jim Gable, they'd go, that seems odd. Odd. It's not odd to us, though, as Christ followers. We, we, to some degree, most of us in this room understand what it means to have this unshakable joy inside of us, even when everything around us is being overtaken. I will not be shaken. I will stand. We're on this solid rock of Christ. makes no difference to me in, in some ways. makes no difference to me what the economy or war or any of those things. They have, no, they have no bearing on my joy. I'm concerned about them, so I pray about them. I certainly pray about those who are involved in war and involved in bad economies, and, and, I, and I'm involved in those things, but the point is, it does not shake my soul. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Literally, the word guard there is an offensive position, a, a, a military position against your heart, against your thinking, against your emotions. It will guard you in Christ Jesus. This is the miracle of prayer. It's a miracle. We go into God with anxiety. We come out with His peace. And I tell people, pray until the peace comes. This is how you make decisions. This is how you hear God. I pray until I get peace. And I'm not talking about happiness. I'm not talking about circumstances. I'm talking about this inner understanding, this hope, this expectation that God is with me and for me. That's when I make the decision then. And it typically involves reading of the Scriptures, getting counsel, prayer, hearing God, and suddenly this peace comes to me that is unshakable, undeniable, and I make the decision then because I prayed, because I read the scriptures and I allowed the Holy Spirit to speak to me. I went to some people, typically more than one or two, and I asked them to pray with me. And then I waited for that peace to come, and when that peace comes, I can make any decision. I'll do anything for God if I've got that. 
That's the process I go through to make the big decisions in my life. And it's the process I made before I came here. I had peace. Let's do it. No fear. Nothing in our hearts. Pam and I just packed up our car and acted like we knew what we were doing. Drove to Colorado. Left every friend we had behind. Came up here to the unknown. Because why? Because I, I heard God. I prayed. Had this, I had this profound peace. Profound peace that I was right in the middle of God's will. And I had gotten tons of counsel. Many, many men and women praying for us, talking to us. This is, this is what being a spirit-led man, that sounds pretty inviting to me. I'm inviting you into that today. I'm inviting every man in this room to be a spirit-led man with me. Ears to hear, let them hear. Eyes to see, let them see. Be a spirit-led man. And I promise you, you'll look up 20 years from now, and you'll find yourself right spot in the middle of God's will, right doing something for God that you never thought you could do. This is how you know the will of God. You just get up every day and cooperate with him. Ditch all of your five-year plans, in my opinion. Five years ago, I had no idea I'd be at New Life. And I need, that five-year plan was torn up. Let's just do this. Let's have a 24-hour plan. For the rest of the day, let's just do this. I'm going to be a man who's led by the Spirit. I'm going to cooperate with God today. And it might be a boring, mundane Saturday. And I hope it is for some of you. Some of you need a good, boring Saturday. That's called a Sabbath Oh, that'll be another talk, by the way. So his word, his counsel, his word, his counsel, and his peace. His word, his counsel, his peace. That's how you hear the voice of the Lord. Would you close your eyes and just, or just, I don't care if you close your eyes. I keep saying that. Just focus on the Lord this morning. Would you just, would you, could you just shut off for a minute all the clutter, the clatter, the noise from the outside could you just say to the Lord, Lord, all this, maybe the self-talk, maybe there's an issue that you've been talking through in your mind. Stop all that for a minute, okay? And I want you to see yourself as a sheep in his pasture. I want you to see him as the shepherd of your soul. And I want you to envision that God is in front of you walking. It's exactly the, the image that, God, that Jesus himself would say to his disciples. Imagine that I'm in front of you going somewhere and I'm talking and you're listening and following I want you to imagine yourself as the sheep of his pasture, that Jesus is in front of your life, wherever you are, whatever's going on, that he's speaking to you, and that as he's speaking to you, you're listening and following him. I just know this, you're going to end up in a really good place if that's true. If it's true today that God is in front of us, speaking to us, and we're following him, imagine you're going to end up in a good place. Yes, you may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but even then you won't fear any evil. You might be by still waters. You might be in green pastures. You may be seated in the presence of your enemies, but the promise is that he'll anoint your head with oil, that he will walk beside you, that his rod and staff will comfort you. Fear will not govern you. I'm not promising that everything in your life is going to be sweet and Disney. I'm not promising that. That's not even what Jesus promised. What he said is, if you will put me in the front, listen to my voice and follow me, you'll just always end up in the right place. And you'll walk through whatever circumstances you have, and this peace, this incredible peace, will govern your mind and heart.
It'll just, it'll be unexplainable. It'll, be, it'll surpass your understanding. So, Father, uh, today we come to you as men, or broken men, imperfect men, but men who are hungry to be led by your Holy Spirit. Men who are hungry to be spirit-led. If you, if, you feel this, if you feel this to be appropriate for your life, would you just say this with me? As, I am the sheep of your pasture. You are the shepherd of my soul. Say it, say it one more time and really let that sink into your heart. I am the sheep of your pasture. You are the shepherd of my soul. Now, what you're doing there is releasing something, you're, and you're opening up. You're letting your heart be humble now. This humility is coming, and out of this humility will come the voice, the whisper of God. You'll be led by him now. So, Father, I pray ears to hear and eyes to see in this room. Ears to hear and eyes to see. In Jesus' name.